Well, good afternoon now, everyone. Lovely to see you, and what a wonderful day to be together and to uh, be able to join Andrew in his uh, confession today and in his baptism. Let's turn to God's Word, and I would like us to begin in John's Gospel and chapter 16. John's Gospel and chapter 16. It's a real pleasure for Rebecca and I to be here today. Always a pleasure to be at Fernie Lee. Thank you for the invitation to come and to join you and to open God's Word together in the time that remains. And before we turn to God's Word, let's just take a moment to pray together and pray for Andrew and pray for our time in God's Word together. (coughs) Almighty God and dear Heavenly Father, we give you our thanks this morning or this afternoon that... We know and love the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has come to mean everything to us, and we thank you for our Saviour. Lord, we pray for Andrew today, and we thank you for this step of obedience that he has taken. We thank you for the simple call, the simple simple command uh, from our Saviour to believe and to be baptised. We thank you so much, Father, that Andrew has come to know the Lord Jesus as his Saviour, and now has made this public declaration and has been baptised in obedience to the word uh, of your Son. And Lord, we pray that if there's anybody here uh, today who has been born again, been saved, and yet has not uh, taken the step of obedience yet, that they might be convicted today of the necessity of doing so. Father, we do thank you for this gospel that transforms lives, this wonderful gospel of salvation. And as we turn now to your word, we do ask that you would bless us richly. Lord, we pray uh, for Andrew that he would be a a diligent student of your word. We pray that he would grow in prayer. We pray that he would grow in his um, assembly commitment. We pray that he would go on to live a life of usefulness to yourself. Uh, Lord, as a vessel fit for honour, we pray, uh, Lord, that he would go on to serve you and uh, and to continue in this path of obedience that he has taken a step forward on today. So we ask for your blessing now, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Well, I'd like to begin our thoughts in John chapter 16, as I've said. And it's perhaps a slightly unusual place to begin our thoughts, because the question I've been asked to address today is a very solemn question. A very solemn question indeed. And that question is, why would anybody be sent to hell? Why would anybody be sent to hell? Now, that's a very solemn and very serious question to address. And I'd like to start our thoughts here in John chapter 16. And here uh, we're in what's often called the upper room ministry of the Lord Jesus because it takes place in that upper room there in Jerusalem in the hours really before his trial and his eventual crucifixion and then of course gloriously three days later his resurrection. But here we have some of his closing words with his disciples before he'll go to the cross. And um, he's telling them about the spirit who will come. So let's read John chapter 16 and we'll read from verse 7. John chapter 16, reading from verse 7. The Lord says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Friends, here the Lord Jesus is describing the activities of the Holy Spirit. 
What is the Holy Spirit doing in the world today? Now we could do a whole series of studies on that, I'm sure. But there are three central things that the Holy Spirit is doing in the world today. He is convicting the world of three things, and they're so clear here in the passage, you hardly need me to point them out. They are sin, and righteousness, and judgment. If somebody was to ask me just to... To, to give a, a moment's answer to the question I've been posed with today. Why would anybody be sent to hell? Now that is some question. It's a serious question. That's a life and death. That's an eternity sort of question. In my mind I would go to these three things and I would say, well, somebody would be sent to hell because of these three things. Because of sin. Because of righteousness. And because of judgment. These three things are why somebody would be sent to hell. Because of sin, because of righteousness, the righteousness of God, and because of judgment, the judgment of an eternal God. Now, I want to just look at this subject very simply uh, today. You've already heard a lot uh, today, and so I just want to leave you with some simple thoughts, really. And I want to address this most serious of questions on the basis of four sort of points, four sort of... um, Four headings, if you like. First of all, I want to think about the reality of it. The reality of it. Secondly, I want to think about the reason for it. Thirdly, I want to think about the remedy for it. And lastly, I want to think about your response to it. Your response to it. Now, heaven and hell are real. They are eternal realities. I remember watching a documentary once. And... The, uh, the, the man sort of commentating was uh, a very well-known, very famous individual in our country today called Stephen Fry. And they were flying over a volcano. And he looked down uh, through the, the, the plane window, down into this volcano, and you could see the fire, and you could see the fury of this volcano. And he said, it's no wonder people used to believe in hell. It's no wonder people used to believe in hell. Now what I'm saying to you today is that the believers who meet here in this church and those who know and love the Lord Jesus and believe his word, we still believe in hell. We believe in the eternal reality of heaven and hell and that all mankind is destined for two alternative destinies. And there are no others. There are only two. There is only heaven for eternity and hell for eternity. These things are never, ever to be spoken of lightly or to be dealt with trivially. Because in a hundred years from now, every single individual in this room will be in heaven or be in hell. And it all really boils down to uh, the same truth that we've been witnessing in a different form here today with Andrew's baptism. Because Andrew's baptism tells us one thing. It tells us this. That it's possible not to go to hell. That it's possible not to go to hell. And I don't know where you stand with Jesus Christ today. There's lots of people here that I don't know. And so I can't answer that question for you. But whoever you are, wherever you stand, I know a lot of the people here. And so I know that you're surrounded by people in Fernley Gospel Hall who are not going to go to hell. There are lots of people in this room who I know for certain are not going to go to hell. And we're going to answer uh, the question of why, how that can be the case just in a moment. So first of all, the reality. These things are real. The Bible is very clear. We will all spend eternity in one 
or another of these places. Let me turn you to Matthew's Gospel, please. Matthew's Gospel and chapter 7. Matthew's Gospel and chapter 7. Just to remind ourselves of some familiar words of the Lord Jesus. They are words that you may know or you may not know. um, But they are well known. Matthew chapter 7 and we'll read verses 13 and 14. The Lord Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. To destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Now, again, I want to ask you a personal question. And uh, forgive me because I I don't know you, but I want you to answer it. And I want you to answer it quietly, uh, just in your own heart. But I want you to answer it it, uh, scrupulously, honestly. Because nobody else in the room is going to know how you answer the question. And the only people who are going to know are you and God. I don't know if you believe in God today. But whether you believe in God today or not, he knows your thoughts. And so how you answer this question in your own head, in your own heart, he's going to know the answer you give as well. He knows the right answer. The question is this. As you sit here in front of the Gospel Hall today, as you sit here today, as of now, if you were to find that your life was to end today, would you be in heaven or would you be in hell? Just give me a moment to answer that honestly, absolutely honestly, quietly, just in your own heart. If you were to die at this moment in time, would you be in heaven for eternity or in hell for eternity? Now I'm not sure what answer you gave to that, but we're going to look at the question uh, a bit more deeply. So there's the reality of hell, and I just want to make sure you understand that. This is real. We're not dealing in fairy stories today. We're not dealing in myths and fables or something that Christians have invented to make their children behave themselves or something like that. We're here today to talk about eternal realities. These things will really happen. These things will really happen. Secondly, the reason. Why should it be? Why should it be that a God who Christians say is loving and kind, gentle and generous, and we all believe that, Why should it be that he would send people, human beings, to hell for eternity? Why should that be? Well, let me take you back to John 16. Take you back to John 16 and remind you of these three things. He is going to convict the world. This is the coming Holy Spirit who's here today. He's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, I don't know if you have become a Christian. Again, I don't know where you stand with the Lord Jesus. But if you are not yet born again and you haven't yet become a Christian, my prayer today, and I'm I'm sure the prayer of every believer who's here today, would be that the Holy Spirit, who's been doing this for over 2,000 years, would do it for you today. Right here, right now. And would convict you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let's go back to the verse itself and have a look more deeply at, uh, at what the Lord means when he says these three concepts. Verse 9. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The issue, the issue at hand, friends, today is the refusal 
to believe in Jesus Christ. People will not ultimately be in hell in a hundred years from now, and there are people in hell today. And they are not there because they have been bad people. And they are not there because they have made mistakes. And they are not there because they have hurt people. They have and and may have done all these things. But they are there primarily on the basis of one crucial question. Is have you or have you not believed in Jesus Christ? Have you or have you not believed in Jesus Christ? Because God, the God of love who is kind and gentle and generous, has made a way of salvation possible. You've just seen that today. You've just seen that before your very eyes today. A physical representation of something spiritual which has happened in Andrew's life already. What was demonstrated in his baptism of of dying and rising, as Boyer was explaining, has already taken place in Andrew's life. It took place when he was seven. He was saved and brought into a new life. And he will never, ever, ever go to hell. He will never, ever, ever face the judgment of God. And if today you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, no matter how aware of your sin you might be at a meeting like this, and you say to me, Ian, you don't understand the sort of week I've had and the sort of things I've said that I, I regret even just this week or yesterday. God has made all of the righteousness of Jesus Christ and given it over to you. And, and Christianity, you might say, is completely and utterly, ridiculously unfair. Because all of, the, all of the wonderful, spotless innocence and righteousness of Jesus has been taken and made over to Andrew's account, to my account, to anybody's account here today who is a Christian. And who is trusted in Christ. So why would somebody be sent to hell? They, they may have done all sorts of things in their life. But the crucial question is this. Have they or have they not believed in Jesus Christ? Concerning sin because they have not believed in me. We have a God who is righteous. A God who is holy. He says concerning sin and concerning righteousness. When the Lord Jesus Christ was here. You could reach out and touch righteousness. If you were the woman at the well, you could sit and have a conversation with righteousness itself. Or righteousness himself, rather. But the Lord was going. The Lord was going to heaven, going to his Father's side. And the Spirit comes now to do the great work of convicting the world of righteousness. And there are men and women, boys and girls, all over the world today, who today will be convicted for the very first time of their own personal sin. And they'll realise for the first time today, like they've never realised before, wait a minute, I've got an account of sin against the Holy God. It's not just sin in general, it's the things that I've said. It's the things that I've done, it's the things that I've thought, that, that I thought nobody noticed, but God sees it all, and God has the measure of me totally. In fact, God knows me better than anybody knows me. And yet, and yet, he has provided a way of complete and free Full salvation for anybody who will place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And again, you've seen a a visible representation of that today. So there's the reality. There's the reality of heaven and hell. There's the reason for it. The reason for it is sin. The refusal to believe in Christ and the righteousness of God. He cannot overlook it. He cannot overlook it. What is the just penalty for insulting an eternal God? It is eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. And every single Christian, every single Christian in this room today deserves that. Deserves, I deserve that. I deserve it. I deserve to go to hell. And yet I can stand before you today and say with 100% confidence that I will never go there. And you might say, Ian, that's very arrogant of you. 
uh, you know, it's very presumptuous of you to say that you will never go to hell. And I can say to you, yes, but it's got nothing to do with me. It's got absolutely nothing to do with me. And everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. Because, yes, there's the reality. And we've touched briefly on the reason. But there is a remedy. There is a remedy. There is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There's a door that is open. And you may go in at Calvary's cross. Is where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. There is a remedy, there is hope. So therefore, what is the hope? What is the remedy? Well, it's not to amend your record books. Now I want you to turn with me to Revelation, please. Revelation and chapter uh, Revelation chapter 20, please. We're going to be looking into the book of Revelation later uh, this evening. But just a short reading from the book of Revelation now. And we're going to read about a future judgment that is coming. Sin and righteousness and judgment. This is a judgment which is coming in the future. There's a lot we could say about it. But just now I just want you to see the basic fact that a judgment is coming for all who refuse to believe in Christ. Revelation chapter 20 verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison... Uh, sorry, verse 11, I'm reading from verse 7. Then I saw a great white throne, rather, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. So notice there are two books. There are two books. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, we began, the first point we began with this afternoon was the reality of hell. Now these verses bring it before us very starkly. This is a real place where real people are going to go. And where real people are today. I wouldn't be faithfully passing on this message to you today if I didn't lay out these facts to you. If I didn't lay out these facts to you. And when we're presenting the gospel to a watching world, we need to be careful not to gloss over these things. Not to avoid these things because this is the reality of the situation. But there is a remedy. Now you might say, what is the remedy? Because these, these people who are standing before the great white throne, they're being judged on the basis of what's in the books. Again, there are two books. One set of books is a book of the record of the lives and deeds of all these people. The lives and deeds of all these people. And another book is called the Book of Life or the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that book is the record of the name of every individual, every person who's ever placed their faith and trust in Jesus. For salvation. Now I don't know about you, but I would not want to stand before a holy and righteous God and be judged on the basis of the record of my life. I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to be. I wouldn't want to have to roll out the tattered carpet of my life where I'm just going through life by the skin of my teeth, just managing to keep things together. We're all like that. Don't kid yourself. We're all like that. And we'll stand before God, roll out the carpet of my life and say to him, I hope this passes the test. None of us have any hope of that. 
None of us have any hope of that. The Bible says that all our righteousnesses, all the best things we've ever done, think of the best, the kindest thing you've ever done. It's just like filthy rags, the Bible says, before God. So we can't get that record book and amend it. Even if I was to start today to live perfectly, now it's impossible, but even if I was to make it a project of mine that I was going to live the most uh, thoughtful, kind, loving life I could possibly live from this day forward, first of all I'd fail within five minutes, but secondly it wouldn't change all the record that I've built up over 31 years. It wouldn't do anything to change that. So the remedy isn't to amend the books, to change your own records. God has made a remedy whereby a spotless, perfect, completely blank, innocent record is going to be made over to you. So that when you would look up your name in this book, it's not going to be there. It's going to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. And all of the wonderful, spotless righteousness of Christ will have been made over to your account. And you will be declared absolutely innocent in the sight of God. Now friends, for all the Christians here, Satan loves nothing more than to distract us from these amazing facts. To remind us of our sin and the things that we've done and said and thought that are so wrong and so wicked. And to say, you call yourself a Christian, and we reply to him, yes, but that's my saviour there. He's at God's right hand. And he, he lived a perfect spotless life and he died a perfect death for me. And, and he lives today. He's alive. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive today and still saving men and women and boys and girls who will come in repentance and faith. So the remedy is the cross. The remedy is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He bore in his own body our sin. He paid the price for sin. The Bible makes it very clear that the wages of sin, the price of sin is death. The price of sin is death. It's a price we all deserve to pay. And yet Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to leave heaven to come down and live amongst us and then to go to the cross and there to pay the price for sin himself. To pay the price that you deserve to pay and that I deserve to pay. And if we will simply, by faith, place our trust in him as our saviour, accepting him as our saviour, then all of his innocence will be made over to our account. All of our sin was placed on him. Hell is a reality. There are good reasons for it. There is a remedy available through trust in Jesus. Let me finish just by asking you about your response today. What will your response be to this message? Now, you might say, I'm not going to make one, Ian. I'm not going to make a response. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Uh, I'm not going to make some sort of response to you today. That's impossible. That's impossible. You will make some sort of response today. If you leave this hall today and you think, I'm putting it off. I'll think about this another time. Thanks very much. That's a response. That's a rejection. And that means that hell still remains your destination. But it can all change today. It can all change today. And you could leave this hall today as somebody who's going to heaven. And absolutely certain of the fact that you're going to heaven. Because again, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on a saviour who you would have accepted today. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your saviour, and you want to trust in him, you want to believe in him, you want to obey God's word and believe in Christ as your saviour, then do so today. Do so today. And speak to somebody, speak to a Christian who's here, maybe somebody who's brought you, or somebody else, myself or Paul or whoever, speak to somebody and tell them that you want to accept Christ as your Lord and saviour. Because again, there are only two destinations, and it all boils down to this one 
question. What is your response going to be? Hell is real. Hell is real. It depends on your belief in Jesus Christ. How will you respond? Let me just take you back to John's Gospel. And the first uh, chapter of John's Gospel, just as we close. John chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 9. John chapter 1. Reading from verse 9. Talking about the Lord Jesus. John describes him like this. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him. wonder if that will be you today. Maybe it's already you. Maybe you would be able to put up your hand and say, Ian, I have received Jesus Christ as my saviour. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Are you a child of God today, I wonder? Are you a child of God? Maybe there's somebody here today who isn't, but you'd like to be. Who isn't a child of God today, who, who came into this hall today unsaved, not forgiven, and headed for hell, but you would like that to change. And you would like to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And you would like to believe in this one that God has sent. And you would like to accept the offer of salvation. Then today's the day to do it. Don't put it off. Speak to somebody today and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Saviour. Amen.